Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you. You know who else is going to be with you here in just a moment? Andy Timmons. That's right. Andy Timmons is going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes. You know, I've had the opportunity to sit down with him, and we went through a lot of different things. We talk about his gear. We talk about his tone. We talk about touring. We talk about his clinics. You know, uh, we talk about how long it took him to do that Bohemian Rhapsody uh, remake that he did, which I absolutely love. Look, at there's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer than Andy Timmons. As a matter of fact, I even gave him a hard time for not touring through Chicago more or at all. <laughs> You know, uh, so I had a blast with him, and he was extremely gracious with his time and with everything else. Super nice guy. You're going to absolutely enjoy this. Just so you know, this episode is also available at YouTube in video form. So if you want to see Andy, if you want to see him when he plays the guitar, if you want to see the gear in the backdrop that, you know, just drives me crazy, well, then, you know, go on over to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren on YouTube, and you can watch the uh, video version of this episode there. So, let's, you know, let's just dive right in. You know, here he is, the one and only. Oh, my God, it really is. Pinch me. It's Andy Timmons. Hello, there. <laughs> can you hear me? I can, I can. I didn't realize you were British. You know, every now and then I'll just just launch into some either John Lennon or Austin Powers or somewhere in between. <laughs> Very cool. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. I'm doing okay. I'm trying to yeah. get my all my tech. I, I'm, I feel like I'm in the dark. Let me, let me hit one more light over here. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Let there be lights. Oh, we got to be able to see the beauties in the back anyway, don't we? What's that? We got to be able to see them beauties in the back anyway. That's right. The dancing girls. Oh, you mean the amps? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. So how you been? You know, relatively just, I'll give it a solid medium plus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> however we, we can quantify in this day and age of what, what good is. But, you know, yeah. staying out of the hospital, even though I've, I've been for many checkups. In fact, I went to the doctor yesterday. I just wasn't feeling right. My sense of taste was funky. And I'm, I'm great. Oh, dude, yeah. We, we, we've had a bunch of people around us getting COVID, so. You know, to keep being being as careful as we can and keep getting tested, and so far so good. Yeah, I was down for two weeks with it. Oh, buddy, what, so where yeah. where are you based, by the way? Chicago. You're in Chicago, so you had COVID already, okay? I did. Yeah. How uh, was how was your experience? What was you know? I I don't know. I, I mean, I I didn't think I was going to die, of course, but it right. w it was not good, man. It's I, not I fun. I, I slept for a solid week. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get up. I couldn't move. I didn't eat <sighs> anything but sleep. Man. And, that, and even afterwards, even after the two weeks, it took a few days. I'm sure. Oh, you know, before my taste came back and all that other. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I had something in March, late March, that I, I wasn't sure if COVID was, if it was COVID or not. It's one of the reasons I went back yesterday, because my breathing hasn't been right ever since, whether, whether it was COVID or some other upper respiratory thing. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I got, I'll keep uh, getting tested and checked. We haven't figured out what's going on with me, but I just yeah. feel like I get I get fatigued more easily and I'm winded more easily. They're just going to tell me uh, you you put on a bunch of weight and you go on a diet. You know, <laughs> and if I'm lucky, that's that's the problem because I have not you know, not hitting the gym and eating burgers with my son all week. So yeah, so you like got a little Debbie <laughs> parked out for him. <laughs> Always. I mean, the Swiss, I, I'm not, I'm a fan of the Swiss cake roll, but it, it, that has been a while, but thanks for planting that seed, James. I oh, okay. It. All right. I'm sorry. No, I'm okay. no dude. You do that. Yeah, once an addict, always an addict, but yeah, I, I, anything of the chocolate cupboards. Yeah. With a creamy centered cakey thing. I'm not mad at it. That's, that's, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm diabetic. <laughs> so I got to stay oh, away boy. from it, but it's hard. It is hard, but it's, it's a, because the, the things are so tasty. Well, you live your life eating a certain way for so long, and then all of a sudden, they yeah. tell you, you can't do that no more. It's like, yeah, well, it's, it's a good, it's a good trade off to be able to hang around for a little longer. So, yeah, I guess you, I guess you got a point there. I think I'm at that that crossroads. Like, okay, you've been you've been partying a little bit, meaning on the food front, you know, for the last 
year or so and now it's starting to have some effects so yeah i've been listening to my body and start to treat a little bit better yeah i would say that uh out of all the people that i've ever had the opportunity to interview or meet yeah you're probably the one person who probably is living the dream oh man well yeah I, you know why because i don't know it's like you never come to Chicago. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's not a dream that I want to come to Chicago. I've never I, seen it in Chicago. No, I mean, I mean, it's like you've got so much going on just centered around playing guitar and doing uh, clinics and, you know, things of yeah. that nature that uh, yeah. don't have to tour a whole bunch and stuff. Well, it's, 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 it's there's, there's several things factoring into that, but I, A, I appreciate your, awareness that I, I, I am fortunate. I, you know, that's, I don't take it, I don't take it lightly. I, I realize being able to play guitar as the main focus of my life is a blessing, but man, I work, I work hard, you know? Yeah. And the, the traveling and touring thing, there's just, it's, it's pretty difficult to tour the States and not lose money, you know? Yeah. And not that it's all about the money, but it's, you know, at, at a certain point in your adult life, you got, you start making decisions based on, well, <laughs> Am I going to be away from my family? And is this going to be beneficial? I'm not right. afraid. To, I'm not afraid for things to not be financially beneficial if it's somehow, you know, be good for the career or there's there's things on the, the positive in in whatever way. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's so I've had a little bit of an odd career. I think you could call it. It's just it's it's been pretty non-specific in direction regarding. Well, I'm going to go after this specific thing, you know, a thousand percent. It's it's been that, but it's been just generally the guitar, and then kind of wherever the gigs led me. That's really how my life has has been. And along the way, I started being able to make better distinctions about what I did choose. What is it again? After experience, after experience, going okay. What well, what was good about that decision? What was bad about that decision? And how can I take that and move forward in and hopefully a more positive and and. Uh, you know, healthy fashion for myself. Yeah. And that's, you know, so I, I yeah, this, so these days it's like, man, especially after with the pandemic, I've been fortunate to keep busy with, I have an online, you know, guitar lesson site that I do, right. guitarexperience.net. And then the, with all the gigs and all the, because I do tour a lot more in, in Asia and Europe than I do in the States. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason there's, you know, there may be a deeper appreciation for musician based, right. You know, music there to where, you know, you can go and, and, and do, and do well. And I, a lot of it, to be honest, a lot of it too is like, there's people in those territories that are setting stuff up for me and, and invite me to come, you know, sometimes it's just that easy. You know, yeah. if there was, a, if there was a guy in, in, in Chicago in the area say, Hey, I've got, I've got these five gigs for you here. We can, you know, we can come, come do this. Yeah. Okay. Likely I would. Uh, 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 you just threw down the gauntlet. See there, see there, that's what this is all about. I mean, so sometimes it's really just opportunity and timing, you know. Um, right. I mean, it's still, I think 21 is going to be still a dodgy year because we don't know at what point is it genuinely safe for, for, for artists and, 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 and crowd to, to really be out there. And so, I mean, hopefully soon, you know, hopefully as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we, we were, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say your your career really has crossed so many different lines. I mean, yeah. from from danger, danger to Olivia Newton John, yeah, right? Which right. which I gotta ask, you know, <laughs> that had to be a wonderful experience. So, well, it, yeah, for, for me to do it for fifteen years, um, yeah. I think that that it should speak volumes, and and it yeah. does in my heart because, and it was just a, a complete fluke of circumstance that I ended up working with her in the first place. It was actually through my association with Simon Phillips. Uh, who, uh, I, I'd been working with on and off, you know, since the nineties uh, doing his kind of fusion group. And uh, I had done some touring with him in the late nineties. And so I, Toto's management, he was, he was still in Toto at the time. Toto's management, uh, Fitzgerald Hartley was the same as Olivia Newton-Johns. And she was coming to the States to do some gigs in late in 99. And she'd retired for many years. She had breast cancer in the early nineties. And at that point just thought, well, I'm going to take care of my health, take care of my daughter and stay home. But she started doing a few gigs in Australia, her native land, and got her toe back in a little bit in the water and thought, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this. So they put together a tour for her in the States, two months worth of gigs, and it was an Australian band. And one of the guitar players, a guy named Brett Garza, who's a phenomenal musician, he, he had his own band going out at the time, so he couldn't make it. So they just, you know, management put the feelers out, so to speak. Hey, who knows somebody that might be able to cover this gig? And Simon just recommended me. I get this message on my machine from Simon Hills. 
Here's my bad English accent, by the way. Uh, Andy, you fancy playing with Olivia Newton-John? I'm like, oh, yeah. What are the hours, right? Or whatever Spinal yeah. Tap reference I would have come up with. What are the hours, yeah. What are the hours, yeah. Oh, no. You want to have a dashery. Anyway, so it just worked out. I, you know, I, I, as I would have done for any gig, prepared and loved her from, I first heard her, uh, Have You Never Been Mellow? I might have been 73, something like that, somewhere early, earlier. She had kind of a country career at first and then kind of right. pop and then to the Grease thing and then kind of rock it for a bit there with physical and all that. Anyway, so, so I was familiar with a lot of the songs already and I went in as, you know, as prepared as I would for any other gig, like it's the most important gig I'll ever do. And management noticed that and decided, well, we've got this Australian band, but we want to do a lot of US states. Let's form a US based group and put Andy in charge of be the music director. And then so between management and, and myself, we put together a band that, you know, largely for 15 years, even those various members would come and go depending on scheduling, et cetera. But had a really great band always formed around her but it, it started at the top because she's just really easy to love it's it, people yeah. would ask me you know well she seems really nice what's she really like and i'm like well it's kind of probably better than you think because she just <laughs> she is she's she's incredibly intelligent and a really diligent hard-working person it does a lot you know she uses her power for good she is a international loved celebrity but you know since her cancer she did a lot for her cancer awareness and actually has her own uh, uh, a cancer treatment facility in Australia that bears her name. You know, she was oh, wow. 10 years oh, raising awareness and money for that. Anyway, so just, I've, I've seen her do so much great mm -hmm. and she's just an easy person to hang with. You know, it's the, the Australian people in general, I tend to really resonate with. There's just a taking stuff just seriously, seriously enough, but not too seriously and always right. a, a great, a great wit, you know, and she, and yeah. she's a badass. She, I mean, she, her pitch and her time as a, as a singer is, is is incredible and she knows like every Beatles song like I do she's a big Beatles fan yeah. but she can also hang in, in all the jazz she knows every jazz standard and show tune and we would just you know spend hours at sound checks just playing tunes you know and, and hang she's, she's a great hey we'd go to comedy clubs and movies and I'll be sorry yeah so again yeah, it just was it is it is kind of if people only know me from the rock world specifically the danger danger mm -hmm. Even the have our hard rock instrumental guitar thing, they might find it contrapuntal, but it's all music to me. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that the more in life that I uh, progressed and, and could pick and choose a bit more, it was largely based on you know who am I going to be with? Am I going to enjoy this? There's plenty of I've had you know I won't name names, but there's some bands, some pretty heavy bands, well known I should say that that I'd had gig offers along the way, but maybe if the music or the personalities I didn't think would be something I would enjoy. If I'm not doing my own thing, it's not worth it. You know? Yeah. Well, you keep yourself busy. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh. Loudly. Just a touch of the SARS. No, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got my Texas allergies going. Um, but you know well, what? Yeah. I was going to say the, the, the thing that you've done recently, I don't know if I would say recently because you know, I, I hate to admit I'm a fan, of course. Right. You know, because you hate telling people, yo, I'm a fan, but. Oh, but no, dude. That's I love your music. I love your well, music. That means a lot. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. You should never be able to tell anybody that, A, we love them, or A, I dig what you do, because we yeah. we should tell each other no matter no matter what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're. Maybe, you're, there's, maybe there's some really well known people that get tired of you. Yeah. 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 You're, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're for all, me, I'm like, any positive. Any, any, I'll take anything positive these days. That's so. why I got. Well, thank I want you, brother. That's why that? I walk, that's why I walk softly because well, there right. are some people that I've interviewed that you know. Uh, uh, but anyway, what I was going right. to get at was the the version the of Bohemian Rhapsody. That oh man! Thank oh you, my man. God! Wow. You 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 just had to get uh, that was so good, man. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. How long did it take to put that together? That was a couple of weeks worth of work. Well, well, actually, maybe even longer than that because the, the, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest story. Well. You know, obviously, I, I'd been on a path where, since the Resolution record with the Andy Timmons band, I'd gotten into this this mode of playing where I was playing chords and melody together, which you know was was you know a little more of a uh, um, a reimagining of my playing style because you know usually you play a rhythm track and maybe melodies on top of it. But having been a jazz player also since my teens, you know, there's there's the Joe Pass way of the Barney Kessel way of chord melody type thing. So it was kind of combining both of my worlds in a way. So the resolution record happened and the Sergeant Pepper arrangements I did, I did in the same fashion where 
I could really, I could sit there and play the, you know, the melody with the. Just try to incorporate all the parts. Yeah. And so, so then, so it just became a way of me enjoying music and, you know, I, I've done a, a lot of arrangements of other just cover tunes just for the pure joy of doing it. I haven't recorded most of them. I, I arranged the entire uh, Ziggy Stardust record, my favorite Bowie record, just to just to do it. Just to <laughs> let's just see if I can do. You know, and that's what Pepper was really. That was I was right. just let's see if I can. I had Strawberry Fields that I've been doing live and had yeah. some. You know, my promoter say, "Hey, what if you did a whole night of Beatles?" Anyway, that's so why I went down that path. So my wife and I. This is how you know you married the right woman. My my wife Monica. We were. Uh, it was it was November second is our wedding anniversary, and this would have been our twenty something. I should know the actual number. <clears throat> she won't hear this podcast, right? No, maybe, no, no. Maybe she will. Maybe she's listening to the guitar podcast right now. And I don't know. <laughs> no guitar is safe. And now, now Jimmy. So, anyways, uh, I was leaving for a tour of Europe November third. November second is our anniversary, and that's the day that Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the film, gets released. Right. So there we are on our anniversary, the, the 1030 in the morning, first showing of Bohemian Rhapsody. That's when, you know, you've got a cool wife, right? right. And she, we loved it. It was, it was very, uh, did you see the film? I did a couple of times. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I, I, I saw it multiple times as well. It was, I just, I knew it would be heavy because everybody knows the ending, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it was way more moving. I mean, just the relationship with the father and just everything that, that Freddie went through and then the, in the band, you know, yeah. It was so moving, and of course, you know, after that, I'm, you know, everybody's inspired with Queen music, and you're revisiting, especially for me, a day at the races and a night at the opera were such landmark records. Yeah, and what they what they freaking achieved, the work it must have taken, you just marvel yeah. at these sounds that we've kind of taken for granted. But when you dig into the nuts and bolts, go, man, they, they had to they had to a imagine that, and then the, you know to actually bring it to fruition, just incredible. So I started that day, you know, I'm leaving town the next day, but I was been noodling around at home and I might've been working on a couple of queen arrangements, um, whatever they were, you're my best friend, maybe uh, love of my life, which is a beautiful tune and take my breath away. And I was dabbling with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And it, it, I pretty quickly got to the point where like, okay, yeah, this, this may be too tough. And I, so I go away on tour and- Wait a second, uh, Wait a second. did Andy Timmons just say, this might be too tough? Oh yeah. Okay. Are you kidding me? It's like everything that I trust me, everything that I do is like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't take anything lightly, like the, the Beatles thing. And I mean, so none of this comes across my, my guitar neck and like, Oh, this is just perfect. This is beautiful. You know, let's move it. No, there's a lot of, I won't say pain and agony, but there's a lot of, you know, you know, consideration that goes into what, what people eventually hear. Let's just say that. And so, you know, through that tour, I was I was making you know, a little bit of Queen you know, as part of my. Uh, I might have learned the Bohemian Rhapsody solo, or maybe played some some Brian May stuff in my clinics. I even even started playing with a coin because I knew he played with some kind of coin. Then I figured out it was 1947 sixpence because they changed the material in 1950 to a different alloy. So oh, you got to get the 1950 and before, but 1947 is his birth year, so why not? Uh, it, it was so, but I'm working on these tunes and I, I, I'd already bailed on Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought there's no, how am I going to pull off the, the acapella section? There's just no way. Right. And so the only time ever that I can recall my wife kind of commenting on something before I had it done, she just kind of stays out of, she's not going to offer too many opinions or suggestions. She just kind of lets me do my thing. And that's sweet, you know? Right. And, uh, but she, I'm in Europe and she goes, oh, I can't wait to hear what you do with Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> then you talk about a gauntlet like yeah. oh, i'm like crap now i gotta do it so yeah. i gotta credit her for kind of lighting the fire a little bit because i had given up i thought no i can't do this oh, so you know it was what the famous saying if whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right you know yeah. so i if i had just considered oh i can't well then i never would have done it yeah. so she kind of encouraged me like i said it doesn't take much for me if somebody just gives me this little glimmer of encouragement or whatever it's that can usually send me down a path that i wouldn't have gone down necessarily on my own so then yeah so once i got that feeling of okay well maybe maybe i'll try this it was it was definitely a couple of weeks at least yeah and then the take that everybody sees on the on the video that was that was that was four try that was my fourth take i had a guy that i usually do my stuff with just one camera and i said you know 
have, you know, sometimes I ask some people to help me or sometimes I do it by myself, but I, I hired a guy with several cameras to come over because I, I thought, well, this might be a nice, since I've done this work, let's document it, right? Right. So we did three takes and we thought the third take was pretty good. But, I, but of course I'm like looking over at him and I, I see no expression from when I finish the song. I said, man, I thought that was pretty good, but he's not even, let me try it one more time. And I, so I do the fourth take and I, I see this off camera, like, okay, I, okay, now, now I, I think we got it now. Yeah. So that's the that's the Reader's Digest version. I'm sorry, I rambled for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I for, for me that would have been a year long process. Yeah, of, and then giving up because <laughs> because it's it's so. Now I do a couple of your songs. Oh wow! I've done Electric Gypsy and Pink right. Sparkle. Oh man, well, I'm honored by that. Thank you, brother. Okay, well, I don't know if I would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, that's anybody, true. anybody that takes the time. I mean, that's 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 just something that I never could have conceived of as a player growing up. It's like that somebody would, yeah, eventually. take something enough to want to learn. So I, I am honored by that. Yeah, so, no, no, but uh, that song right there, I just couldn't. So I gotta, I gotta ask when sure. it comes when it comes to some of your gear. Like, let's talk about the Strymon timeline, for instance. Sure. Yeah. How long did it take you? I mean, what was, I mean, because some guys, can, some guys can get a pedal and they can instantly bam and they have their tone out of it. They know yeah. exactly what they want to do, but with something like that, because the sound that you're getting out of that is so amazing. Thank you. That it, it had to be uh, a long drawn out process in order to dial that thing in. I would love to say yes, it took years, but no, it was an afternoon, but there was a very specific, is a very specific idea that I was going after. And yeah, really the, the, the idea that we, this good friend of mine, George Fuller, who is, uh, he's now the, it's like one of my best friends in the world is now the mayor of McKinney, but he happens to, he happens to own and run the guitar sanctuary, which is a guitar shop in the town where I live here in McKinney. And the joke early on was like this, this, the, the store is maybe 12 or 15 years, you know, on now, but as soon as we find a delay unit that sounds as good as the two memory man echoes together, then I'm going to, I'm going to close the shop. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of like we were on this, we were on this quest of, because I had these, I was running for a long time because I, I, I wasn't using my tape echoes live. I would use the deluxe memory man because they had modulation available on the repeats, which wasn't that common on a lot of units back, back then. So it could kind of get that wow and flutter of the tape. It really gives, that's what gives the width to me to the, the sound around the note, right? I call the halo. And so that was essentially George and I getting a hold of that first timeline and spending an afternoon in the room with my two memory men, which I'm going to consider would be the, the, the correct plural of two memory man, bands, right. memory men. You know, these are things we have to discuss as guitar geeks. Right. The two memory men. And uh, so we just A-B, but that, that unit is capable of infinite amount of different types of things and I use it for two right. sounds so yes I agree that I you could spend years figuring out other stuff but I had very one specific thing in mind and yeah. that's and it's usually that for most gear that I get I have an idea of what or it may it may present to me what it does best I'll dial that into the best of my ability and I'll stick with it you know I don't so right. like I said I literally have two presets on that I have got the blue sky or the big, my, the big sky, the, the, the companion, right. the same side. And I've, I mean, I've got two patches. There's a couple of different plate reverbs that I use, and uh, which I didn't really use external reverb for many years because the echo was really providing that. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, but yeah, the uh, if I turn my, my uh, Strymon up. So the, one of the keys about the sound, and I don't know if you're, you're hearing that in stereo or not. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. The key is that to set the modulation just right to where it just starts to go at the tail end of the trails, it just starts to go out of tune. Because yeah. that's what's going to create that modulation. But you're, you know, the partial note, the, the you know, that note stays in tune. It's, it's everything around it that starts to go out. So, and the main reason I love it so much is that it, it, it enables me to be more of a singer with the instrument. It allows me to have some more sustain. Right. Yeah. Which is, which, you know, 
nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just happen to love that sound. And I've always, I've always loved wet guitar sounds. And I think my earliest musical memory is this little section of I saw one, I saw her standing there by the Beatles, which is a very, very, very reverb-drenched solo by George Harrison. They would have piped the guitar into the, they had some kind of storage closet that they used for reverb. And that was this beautiful, you know, you know, wet sound. So I, I kind of feel like that might have something to do with why I like such a, uh, an ambient tone because of some of those, uh, some of those early Beatles solos that George did. So, but so that's, you know. Well, what you consider your foundation, foundational tone, because if I, if I remember right, I remember watching the uh, Mesa Boogie Fillmore ah. uh, uh, video that you guys did where it was yeah. like there and just going through the amp as a matter sure. of fact it's what prompted me to buy the amp look uh, at you you're the, <laughs> this is crazy but you're the reason i've got a lone star and a film oh man well, that's a good comp they're both great amps man but anyway you were you were you were just you know at the beginning of that you were just talking about your basic tone which yeah, you sure. which was just really just going through the the film which is really a clean really a clean platform for the most part. Yeah, it's got a, it's got some nice gain tones as well, but yeah. the, the way I've been running my amps normally in the last 10 years has been a panel platform type thing. Yeah. Though yeah. more and more I use the gain channel on the on the Lone Star. That's why I originally started using it because because of the lead channel having such a warm thing about it. It just needs a little bit of a tube screamer type, you know, boost in front of it to get it to to put it across into singing land, but the thing about it was it was such a warm type yeah. of gain it wasn't real buzzy and that's the thing we struggle with to get enough gain to really have fluidity and to have the sustain it can be it starts getting bright and brittle if you're not careful with the, the amount of gain right so that that was one of the first dance where i found myself turning the bass off and you know turning the treble up a little bit like this is a different experience for me and i really resonated towards it right but then so, it just, yeah anyway so how long have you been how long have you been working with mesa boogie now i mean what well what I can't even necessarily say that I'm working with them. There's just been a relationship because I love their amps, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the the Lone Star, I think it was released around 2005, and I happened to mm. a good friend of mine named Steve Mueller. Um, he lives just in a town over from me in Frisco. Um, is one of the main guys of the company. He happens to live in Texas, so I always kind of had er, you know early access to amps that they might be developing or that would, had just come out. I used the I used their Maverick for a while, which was a little 35 watt kind of boxy mm -hmm. AC, you know, it was like a EL84 kind of amp. Right. Yeah, and so, but he had this early early prototype of the Lone Star. That's that's the one sitting behind me over my shoulder, the, the blue the blue amp back there. Right. Um, he loaned it to me, and I didn't give it back. <laughs> just that's and that's and that's and that's that's actually true it's a i tried to give it back to him about about 12 years later but he wouldn't take it back he said yeah we can we can we, we we'll get you we'll get you one just just like this and i know i just i just want this is the one okay <laughs> so he very he very graciously let me abscond with his own personal amp anyway long story short yeah that, but you know that's been my main amp ever since so it's been yeah relationship yeah but yeah the, the, the things that, that come along with like when they did the uh, the transatlantic I, I was a kind of part of the r d for that which was another right. kind of decidedly boxy thing i've got this old 64 ac30 that we kind of did some research with and then the, the of course the stiletto i was involved with with from the right. old marshals over my shoulder there yeah and um yeah the film was a cool amp too i mean that I means they're just brilliantly continually coming up with great stuff and just love the people there it's a great great company yeah, yeah. So I, I got to ask you, you know, you, you've had such a really long career. Uh, that's really amazing. But when you were young, you did a lot of studying. Because uh, if, if I if I remember correctly, you know, you had a goal, you know, to be a studio guy. That's right. So, so my question is, is what would you say are a couple of things that you did in those formative years that made you the player that you are now? Well, there was, I mean, there was just kind of this ongoing work ethic, right? if I could put it like that. There was just, I wasn't a good practicer, but I was, what I was really good at was I always had a huge desire to play and did play. Um, but, you know, like I said, I was kind of self-taught till I was about 16, but I, I, I recognized at that point that this was clearly going to be my life. I didn't have any other interests or skill sets it just you know i just 
this was it. This is my passion. And I fortunately was raised by my mother that supported that. Like whatever it is you decide to do in your life, go for it a thousand percent. And that, that I can recognize was not necessarily a common thing in households. Yeah. If a mother or parents see their kid with kiss pictures on the wall and playing yeah. guitar all day, there may be an eyebrow raised with concern, right? But yeah. somehow she she just, she trusted that I was a good kid and that just, um, just she saw that how hard I worked with nobody telling me to. There's nobody telling me, Andrew, you better go practice. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm in there doing it. So I, I, I early on, you know, was just learning from records and then I got in a band when I was 13. And then from that point on, I've never not been in a band. Yeah. You know, when, when you're 13, um, you know, I, I got picked up by some older players that, you know, even though they were only maybe four or five years older, that's, that's a significant age difference when you're 13. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but they were a little bit more experienced and I was playing well for 13, you know, I could, I, I could hang and play gigs. So, you know, that, that I was fortunate that I, I had early and consistent professional experience, but then also the passion in, in to seek out learning you know so when I was 16 I found a local teacher because I made like you said I made that decision to well you know maybe making it as a you know rock band such a long shot but I you know was reading about Lukather and Carlton and the Tommy Tedesco had a column in Guitar Player Magazine it was called Studio Log he talked about all these recording sessions he would do but it had a piece of the music that he would have had to have read when he got to the session right so mm -hmm. well I better learn how to read and that teacher that I found in Evansville Indiana named Ron Pritchett he was a great jazz player as well. So he started me like lesson one of the, you know, the reading series and, but along, but he, but, but I could already play at 16. I was playing, you know, well, in, at least in rock and roll, but he had written a very kind of basic chord book that was geared towards teaching the guitar player, all the necessary voicings that you might need playing jazz. Right. Not like the Ted Green approach. That was a bit overwhelming. This was a very concise Here's all these voicings of a G7, of a G13, of a G69, of a G half diminished, a G diminished, everything G, and then showing you a chart of the circle of fifths and all 12 keys, how to, how to apply these chords in any key. So he would write changes out to a jazz standard every week. And I would, in the book, I'd find the voicings and learn these voicings. And so with the reading, then he started broadening broaden my, my aural palette, so to speak, by, you know, loaning me Barney Kessel and Joe Pass records and, and teaching me the jazz changes and it was just amazing and very fortunately for me I, I loved it you know anything anything with guitar in it I wasn't a snob about well it's got to be this rock distorted thing which I of course still to this day is is what I love but it was anything with guitar when I'd see Roy Clark on hee-haw you know I was like mm -hmm. man I want to do that or if I'd see whatever but the, the exposure to these jazz musicians for the first time it was mind-boggling how do these guys know what notes to play yeah. this is an a minor pentatonic you know so it just it kind of just fell on from there and then when it came time to go to college the, the local university offered classical guitar as a major knew nothing about classical music but could keep mom you know make mom happy stay in school keep taking lessons from my jazz teacher playing three nights a week in my rock band gigging around town and mm -hmm. now i'm gonna learn about classical music great it's a guitar i love it <laughs> you know and then, but I, you know, I heard about the University of Miami through a friend of mine who, you know, the Dixie Dregs with Steve Morrison formed there. Matheny had, had uh, you know, mythically gone there, even though he, they made him a teacher after two weeks. <laughs> it's like, this guy's good. You know, so there was just an ongoing desire to just get better. Yeah. And again, there was no, no goal beyond, I'm going to get better and somehow I'll find stuff to do. If I even thought it through that much, there was just kind of this blind faith um but with very much of a, a work ethic that just kind of kept me going and that's still what's happening today you know yeah you know that's really good advice you know to to give to somebody young you know and well and even if they're not young and they want to be a player because it's hard to to you know to, to have those kind of blinders on and you know what i mean and yeah. they just stay diligent and passionate and pushing forward because it's so easy to to get frustrated and sure you know and well and admittedly i mean that there's frustration at every turn for me every day you know there's but the more consistently and this this i got back into so that was the early part of my career then the meat of my career you might call it and now where i am now in the last 10 years 
but I'd gotten away from being that kid, you know, every moment of like, Hey, you know, having a buddy, let's get together and, and, and just play some standards, you know, that's the way it was in school. If I wasn't in class learning or transcribing or in the practice room, I was gigging out six nights a week, or if I had time, Hey buddy, let's go sit and, and play. You got it. You got an hour. Let's go. Yeah. It was just kind of full immersion. And, and then life starts to happen and you're, you know, along the way and you're touring and it's about survival. You know, you're just kind of, you're playing as much as you can. And I was always playing. I was always writing, but being the student of, you know, actively transcribing or even working on the jazz stuff, even though that's not what I'm known for, it's, it, it really informs everything that I do. Yeah. How I think melodically, how I, how things feel in the way my note placement would not be anywhere near what it is. It would be different. Maybe it would be okay, but it's, it's very much informed by that. It's, it's, it's a really about, you know, every note kind of knowing and, and, and having a purpose for it because in jazz, you know, with, with, with multiple chord and key changes, you really have to know how to navigate that and, and to be able to voice lead through those things. Not to say you can't just play a one, one chord vamp and make it interesting. I, I find that highly challenging actually, um, something I need to practice more, but it's, it helped me really kind of develop an ear and uh, a set of skills that helped me play more melodically in that way. And so that's it. So I apply the exact same thing to any style of music. It's even if it's just a simple a minor G to F, it's going to be informed more by each chord in its time, as opposed to, well, I know this is a Aeolian mode and I know this is a minor pentatonic and I know all these other variations that might work. That's all applicable. And I, I know these things and can apply them if necessary, but it's, it's way more about each chord as it's happening, how I'm addressing resonance and dissonance, you know, chord, chord tone and non-chord tone. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't ramble too much on that. But that's that that but yeah that so when I got kind of back into having been away from it and started uh, getting just to a regular morning practice regimen where I would just play standards every morning because it just sets me up I, I I'm technically involved with the instrument I'm improvisationally getting getting the brain you know going without hopefully not too much interference from thought if that makes sense I want to be able mm -hmm. to just have things flow a certain way but the more I did that that I again, this is in my adult life in the last 10 years, I said, I'm, I'm a happier guy than, than I had been maybe in years prior. And it was really about, because I knew I was honoring whatever gift I have. It's one thing to, to have a, a, a bit of a foundation, but it's, it's, it's nothing without the hard work. It's mm -hmm. nothing without the, the daily you know, feeding of whatever that is to keep it going. Because so much of my playing along the way, I'd be so frustrated, like, oh man, I know what this could be, if only, you know. Well, you have a lot better chance of getting it close. Maybe it never gets to that, what you're wanting to do, what you're expecting to do, but you can get a lot closer to it if you're really putting the time in. There's no, there's no shortcuts. Right. Listen, yeah. to, to, listen to Tommy Emmanuel talk about that, and I saw a great interview with a wonderful Australian young player named Josh Meter, who I've been seeing just with Instagram clips. It's a wonderful technical facility. It's like, yeah, his dad was a bass player and he got up you know, every morning an hour early from school and his dad would give him a lesson every day, starting from the age of seven. So mm -hmm. like, you know, just would just play all these hours every day, focusing on technique for a certain amount of time. So, okay, well, I'm 57 now, so maybe if I start, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I, that's actually my intention. I'm going to, I'm going to come up because I've never had a like, here's, here's a practice, like Steve Vai famously has like a 10 hour practice regimen or something. That's the ambitious at a certain, maybe in a young, you know, younger period of time but i think there would be a way for me to to improve my you know regimen of practicing and just just address things because I, I was always been the kind of player where if it comes easier naturally to me okay that's what i'll do but if something presents a challenge i'm gonna i'm gonna move away from it you know? yeah. it's, it's in some ways okay so then you kind of fortify what does come naturally nothing wrong with that i play the way i play I'm, I, I will hopefully get better but I do know that there's certain there's things that I, I hear in other players' technique that I said, boy, that would be handy to have a little bit more of that. So why not, you know, work a bit more on the hybrid picking or economy picking or slide playing, which I never do. But love yeah. the same. I can do it well enough to like, I can play a good George Harrison double tracked kind of thing, but it takes me a bit. I got, 
but if I did a little bit of it every day, you know, I'm not going to be Derek Trucks, but uh, yeah, maybe I can get closer. But I, because I, I just love a, a player that really does that well, or Joe Walsh, you know what I mean? Just kind of such a voice he has with the instrument. Yeah, yeah. So, what is it that you're doing right now? I know you just didn't you just release a new True Fire. Uh, the last thing that came out was something called In the Jam. I think I think it was the last yeah. thing I've done. Yeah, it's just with with COVID, I haven't been able to go back. Um, to do more stuff so it's it's yeah. literally you know every every month i've got a song of the month on my experience site i just i've got two records coming out um one in january with the bissonette brothers matt and greg bissonette we have a band called the red coats r-e-double-d coats and it's kind of uh i don't even know how to explain it but matt is an incredible if you know matt he's a great bass player um he and greg played together on the joe citrioni record of the extremist but but matt has played on billions of sessions and tours with elton john of course, yeah. Greg Bissonette, um, yeah, yeah. his his uh, his uh, history. So yeah, they wanted to form a band, just kind of with players in mind. But Matt's a great singer and songwriter, and has a great kind of beatly pop background. But it's so it's but it's kind of funk and fusion and Latin and you know, <laughs> guitar solos and drum solos. It's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's a bunch of players having a blast. But the tunes are great, you know. Yeah. So that's called the Redcoats. That's coming out in January. Then I have a a, a solo record kind of different than the Andy Timmons band that I've done with Josh Smith actually producing the great, oh, wow. great guitarist out in uh, Los Angeles. So he had, uh, you know, he recently had put together a studio over the last few years and yeah. we had met, I think I just reached out to him to tell him how much I loved his playing. He said, well, man, I, you know, I got this killer studio, come record. I'm like, okay. So I just <laughs> yeah. took him, took him up on the offer and I said, okay, well, but here's the deal, Josh, you know, I'll write some tunes, you write some tunes, maybe we'll write something together. Not really a blues record, but kind of more in his, right neck of the woods sonically you know i like his i like the feel of the musicians that he chooses and the sounds i said you pick the players you you know you produce with me and your engineer and i'll just come out i'll be the quote-unquote artist and let's just see where this goes so i last january so was it a year ago now yeah almost a year ago i went out early for the nam show based in anaheim every year so yeah i just came out a few days early and we got these tunes together and his players in a few days knocked out a record and I you know so I oh this then was supposed to go back and of course COVID hit so we weren't able to get back together in the studio but I finished whatever I needed to finish here in my studio so that's going to come out March or April that I'm calling that Electric Truth oh so it's it's uh, all instrumental but also there's two vocal tunes I've got a really good friend of mine uh, Corey Pertil a great singer here in Dallas sing a couple of tracks I wrote some lyrics for him yeah he wrote a bit with me and that's a really fun record and so those are coming out and I'm always writing and uh and now I'm last week and I did my 70th uh stage it gig so I've produced 70 shows over the right uh, the, the, the pandemic and so I just decided early on all the tours had canceled I thought well I gotta keep busy I gotta do something I gotta figure out a way of helping pay the bills and so I saw a buddy of mine on Facebook was posting his gigs he was doing on stage and I thought well teach me how to do this you know I don't I have no clue how to do this so he just told me how what he was doing and basic showed me the ropes and uh, I just got it going. But I had it in my mind like I'm, I'll do two every Saturday because I'd seen him advertise 2 p.m. You know, 8 p.m. But yeah. what he was doing, he was advertising one gig, 2 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. UK. He's got a lot of friends, a lot of fans <laughs> in the UK. So my my, guys, mis, yeah. my misreading of that it led to me doubling my work just because yeah. I thought, well, that's what I'll do, just like my buddy Jared. You know. Yeah. Um, it's insane. Um, I probably shouldn't have done that, but it's been incredible. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's been, you know, and there's, there's like this really loyal following that, that a majority come to every gig. There might be 40 or 50 of these folks that they just love it so much. And it's given them something to look forward to every weekend. And so, you know, and then, so the, the stage at platform is like, I'm, I'm playing on camera. Like you see the, this is what I'm usually playing yeah. in front of this wall of amps i've got tracks that i always play with right. and but so they're on the screen you see me and hear me playing but there's also this message board and everybody's kind of they can interact with me and they're, they're all talking to each other so it's like the only gig that's that it's ever cool that the whole crowd's chatting because i can't hear them <laughs> <laughs> and but the, the, the funny thing too is is that you know i'll finish a tune and I'm, I'm putting as much as i'm going to put into it if i'm playing albert hall or you know the local right. pub I'm, I'm playing as good as i can freaking play in that moment in time but you get done playing it's just like crickets you hear nothing you know not even crickets but yeah. people are like all caps typing applause <laughs> you know, just trying, trying to let you know hey we, 
but it's 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 kind of an odd thing. Because usually, you know, for me as a guitar player, I like to tune between every song. And so without the the padding of crowd making some noise in between songs, I'm like, okay, uh, hey, I hope you all are enjoying this. You're all trying to tune. <laughs> it's it, but it's you know, it's just a diff, a different way. And I and I see no reason, you know, once we're able to get back and 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 tour um, safely and all that. I'll keep doing it. You know, it may not be two every Saturday consecutively, but I'll, it's just a great way. And it's, I've developed a new set of chops that I wouldn't have had, you know, as far as right. it's a way for me to keep in touch with the fan base and actually reach more people. Right. You know? Right. No, I think it's a good thing. I really do. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to Lee Rittenauer last Friday. Oh man. And Lee was talking about, uh, you know, doing those types of, you know, virtual shows and then sure. he's, He's like, I just can't, even though he's done a couple, he's like, I just can't do it for the same reason you said. He's like, I get done playing and there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing going on. And he says, yeah. I have hard time with that. But, yeah, I, I, I understand. And it's, it's not for every, I, for a lot of reasons, it's not for everybody. Some people don't like to play with pre-recorded tracks, you know. Yeah. Um, but I've done so much of it in my life as a clinician. You know, you're usually, sometimes right. there's a band you play with locally, but a lot of times. But I've always been comfortable doing it, um, yeah. you know, and I can make it sound fresh every time, yeah. regardless of the band not changing. I'm just, I'll be different every time, you know. Right. And so I have a way. I hope is my goal anyway. I, I have a way of trying to you know inject as much fresh energy as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Andy, uh, yeah, really appreciate. <laughs> it was an absolute treat for me. Oh man, happy, happy to do it, James. I appreciate you taking the time and. Yeah, and, now, and good luck with that guitar playing. I see you've got a nice collection behind you. Look at that. Yeah. What's, the old, what's the old Strat right behind you? I got a few. Oh, that's a that's a '57. Oh my goodness. Yeah, wow. that's a '57. Yeah. Yeah. You know right. what? I bought my first Ibanez this year. Oh wow! What'd you get? Always, always been a Strat guy or a yeah. tell, you know. Yeah. And, sure. and I bought, I bought the I bought the uh, it was a, just a Prestige. Cool. That, but I absolutely love it. I could, I can't, I can't see myself going anywhere else. I mean, wow, it, wow. it's amazing and feels so good, you know. That's it's, awesome. Well, I, see, I mean, I love all guitars. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been playing this Ibanez for a lot of years, but yeah, no, I, you know, I have, I have an old, old couple of Strats and a Tele, and and but you know, yeah. Rickenbacker and Gretsch, and they all inspire you to do different stuff. But this, of course, this whole yeah. custom, you know, AT one hundred has been. And will be, I'm sure, for a long time. My main, my main guitars, because I can cover so much ground with it. But nothing will beat a really good old Tele or Strat. That did they have such a voice and such a sound? And I, that's why I still use them when I can, if if it calls for that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got too many. You know, <laughs> I do. I, he said, "Well, these are good problems, but yes, I, I keep feeling like I want to thin the herd I mean, significantly." How, how do you how do you acquire more? How do you get more when when <laughs> you're not playing or working or doing anything? It's like, yeah, it's it's like, oh. uh, it's well, we do love. It's 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 okay to have, and it's, and I always say this: that we're so fortunate to have this passion for something. Yeah, that 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 is basically just something that gives other people joy, hopefully, and get but starts with yourself. You know, this is how we you know we get through life with this with this wonderful passion for music and guitar that we have it's, yeah we're lucky folks man yeah well i appreciate it uh andy thank I, you brother i appreciate you too man i really do i can't wait to hear the new albums because they sound yeah good. i will i'll get the word out asap when we've got it ready for for going but i think the first one will be the red coat sometime in january i don't have the date but okay it's a really fun record some really good songs and some great playing by these guys they sound awesome very cool. Stay safe, man. You too, brother. Yeah. I'm glad you got through the COVID okay, man. All right. You have a good day. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, brother. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. There you go. Andy Timmons. I want to thank Andy for participating in Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Make sure you're going to andytimmons.com so that you can learn everything that there is possible to know about him and his music. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for his new album. I know he does some uh, video lessons and some live streams and stuff periodically. So you can get all that inf information from him on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and at his website, of course. You know, he's an amazing player. Now, you know who else is amazing? Steve Lukather and Joseph Williams of Toto. On February 24th, my next guest 
are going to be Steve Lukather and Joseph Williams. Now, they both have uh, solo albums coming out on the 27th of February on the Mascot label. They're releasing simultaneously on the same day. Uh, they both played on each other's albums. They've even got some other greats like Ringo Starr is on Steve Lukather's album. Um, so both albums are really good, and you know what? It's just a way for them to keep that whole Toto thing going. That's right. You know what? When this is all said and done and things open back up, you can bet your ass you're going to see another Toto on the road. Now, that show that I saw at the Chicago Theater the last time, which was, what, 18, 19, when they said it was their last tour, the Toto was, you know, closing shop well thank god it isn't there's going to be a new toto and uh, steve lukather and joseph williams will be leading that of course it's going to be hot for sure and so uh tune in the 24th for steve lukather and joseph williams another thing is is that we've got a brand new series on our youtube channel which is guitar talk with jimmy warren at youtube it's called hidden gems it's where we bring to life some amazing guitar players from around the world that we think you really need to know and uh, I just released a video uh, on a gentleman. His name is Federico. He's an Argentinian uh, guitar player. He lives in the States now. Fantastic player. Uh, great sound. Great tone. You're really going to love it. I mean, he's got a lot of views on his video already, which uh, says a lot about about him, of course. Uh, I think you really enjoy it. But we've got a lot of great people that are going to be on that as well. I think the next one is Tommy Katona. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's the the head or the lead guitarist and vocalist for Texas Flood. He does a Stevie Ray Vaughan thing. And I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people do Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, even Stevie Ray Vaughan tributes. And this guy, man, there's nobody does Stevie Ray Vaughan like Tommy. You know, he's really good. And so we talk about some of the things that you have to do to get those sounds and those tones and, and what it takes to be able to uh, perform at the level that uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan did. So you look out for that on Hidden Gems on Guitar Talk coming to YouTube. In that, you know, speaking of YouTube, do us a favor, man. Go to Guitar Talk uh, with Jimmy Warren on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. We've got so much stuff there. I mean, there are so many interviews already on there, and there's so much more to come. A lot of the interviews that we're doing going forward are all video. Uh, this one with Andy Timmons, the next one with Steve Lukather, all the hidden gems. You're really going to enjoy it. And so uh, just be uh, subscribing to our channel. Uh, that way, you know, we can continue to spread the word and you get information and new video and content as soon as it happens. And that also do me a favor and follow me, Jimmy Warren, across all social media and uh, at Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook. For all information on Guitar Talk, go to guitartalkofficial.com. And I will see you on February 24th right here with Steve Lukather and Joseph Williams of Toto. Until then, y'all stay safe, okay? We'll check you out later. And you know what? Go play some guitar. 